0: Welcome to the Starting Line Church Sermons Podcast. Here at Starting Line Church, we are all about helping people embrace that there is more to life through Jesus. This sermon was first given at Starting Line Church in Cleveland, Ohio. Well, happy Easter, friends. We are so excited that you have joined us here at Starting Line Church today My name is Allison, I am one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you are here with us as we celebrate and remember the resurrection of Jesus that motivates us to walk in our faith. This is an exciting day in the church because it shows us that we can walk in the resurrection story each and every day. So I'm looking forward to our time together. As we begin, I want you to think about a time in your life where you thought something was over, but it wasn't. What happened? What was it like? What did you experience? For those who don't know, um, I'm a very passionate Cleveland Guardians fan. Some may call me a bit extreme. Don't come at me, okay, it's fine. I own it, I own it. But one of the reasons why I love baseball so much is because it's a game that isn't over until it's over. What I mean by that is there's no clock to stop the game at a certain time. There's no time limit to tell the teams when the game is done. It's over when all the outs happen, no matter how long that takes. This October, the Guardians were in the postseason. They were playing the New York Yankees. I know, I'm sorry to say such a gross word on Easter Sunday, uh, but if you remember that game, you know that Cleveland was down 5-3 to three going into the bottom of the ninth. And it seemed like it wasn't looking promising. It seemed like the game was close to over. But then something happened. We scored a run, making it five to four. And then something happened after that. We, we scored again and we hit a, hit a single and two runs came in. It was amazing, like we won the game in the bottom of the ninth. We won't talk about how that series ended, okay? But that ending of that game was crazy, it was insane. And part of what made it so exciting was that the story seemed to be over, but it was far from it. And when you experience a moment like this where the story is supposed to be done, but it's actually not, and there's so much more to it, it usually leaves you awestruck in some way because it's so unbelievable. Honestly, the resurrection story is pretty similar to that too. When I recount the events that took place leading up to Jesus's resurrection, I'm often reminded that many people thought the story was over when Jesus was taken to the cross. There were many people, if not all people, who thought that Jesus' life and Jesus' story was complete at the crucifixion. There was going to be no more thought of this Jesus of Nazareth, no more talk about this Jesus of Nazareth. The belief was that Jesus was gone and the story was over because in this dark and horrific moment, all hope seemed lost. Some were sorrowful and heartbroken at this. Others were ecstatic and relieved. Some were confused and baffled. Others felt very responsible and very guilty. Today we're going to dive into a specific part of this Easter story in Matthew 27, starting in verse 11. At this point in our story, Jesus has been arrested He's been taken to the high priest, where the chief priests and those who were in charge aggressively looked for anything and everything they could accuse Jesus of so they could kill him. His death has been ordered on false accusations and on the basis of Jesus calling himself the Son of God, which we know that he is. And so Jesus is now standing before Pontius Pilate, who's the Roman governor, and that's where we pick up reading in Matthew 27, 11 says this, but when the leading priests and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they're bringing against you? Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of these charges, much to the governor's surprise. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted, This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who's called the Messiah? He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus just out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sends him a message Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered this terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. We're going to stop there for a second. Like, this is a total and utter chaos, like chaos. Jesus is on trial and there's a million people with their opinions and perspectives and agendas all trying to be heard all at once and we all know how that goes. The chief priests are there, they're still scheming against Jesus because they're sick of him exposing their bad behavior and this gospel of love that he preached about, like they just want him gone. We have Pilate's wife telling her husband that he should leave Jesus alone because she was afraid of what would happen if he put an innocent man to death. The crowd, they're just a hot mess. Like, they're being persuaded by everything that they hear. They're not really sure what the heck is going on. Pilate, he's feeling this great responsibility and the weight of what he's about to do. He knows that Jesus is innocent, but he doesn't want to upset the chief priest. He doesn't want to make the crowd mad. He doesn't want to make his wife anxious. He works for Rome, and so he doesn't want to do anything that would threaten them. Then there's this crazy Barabbas guy who's intertwined and thrown into the mix of all this. We don't know much about him other than he's a murderer and he's a leader of an insurrection, which is a violent uprising against authority or government. He hates people. He's a dangerous man. But the Jews, they have this tradition where they can release a prisoner who's on death row to be freely let go without any punishment for their crimes committed. And Pilate, he's offering, hey, do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? Let's keep reading so we can see what happens next. So the governor asked, which of these two do you want me to release to you? And the crowd shouted back, Barabbas! Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus who's called the Messiah? They shouted back, crucify him. Why? Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob mob roared even louder, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water and he washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood the responsibility is yours and all the people yelled back we will take responsibility for his death so Pilate released Barabbas to them he ordered Jesus to be flogged with a death with a lead tipped whip then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified So Pilate, he stands before everybody in front of all these people on this stage and he presents two different individuals. Jesus, the son of the living God who has never committed a crime and who never has committed a sin. And then Barabbas, a rightful prisoner who deserves the punishment of his crimes. The fact that these two people are even being compared in the same sentence is pretty ludicrous. What, what has Jesus done, right? Other than heal the sick and heal the blind and befriend those who no one wanted to and teach people about the kingdom of God. Yet, there he is with Barabbas. And Pilate looks at the crowd and says, okay, who do you want? And where we think this possibly can't get any worse, They chant, Barabbas. Barabbas? Like, Barabbas? They can't be serious. They cannot be serious. Like, this is absolutely insane. How did this happen? What in the world is going on? And while all this chaos is happening, and all these things are going on, and all these emotions and feelings are everywhere, Jesus is standing up there, knowing what's about to happen to him in the coming hours, and he remains silent. He doesn't say a word to defend himself. He doesn't say anything to stop it. We know that he could have. Like he's God in the flesh for crying out loud with ultimate power, with ultimate authority in the world. But man, the silence of Jesus says more than words could ever say. Because nobody made him do it. Nobody forced him. Instead, Jesus willingly takes Barabbas' place in this moment. He willingly traded places with this man and his silence says, let him go. Take me instead. Not because it's an equal trade, not because it's a fair trade, but because I love him and this is what I came to do. Jesus' silence on trial shows his willingness to die. Jesus' silence shows his willingness to die. And he doesn't just take the place of Barabbas metaphorically. He's actually put on the exact physical cross that Barabbas was supposed to die on. The cross that Jesus ends up giving his life for, for all humanity, is the exact cross that Barabbas was supposed to pay for the horrific crimes that he committed. But Jesus, rich in mercy, willingly does it because it's why he came to earth. This was all a part of the plan. Jesus' silence in this moment with Barabbas is an actual physical, spirit, physical representation of the spiritual reality of what he's about to do on the cross and in the grave in the days to come. He's about to defeat sin. He's about to defeat death. He's about to make, us, make a way for us not to have to deal with it ourselves. So yes, Jesus took Barabbas' place. Yes, He set him free. But what Jesus was about to do was set all of humanity free. It's not, this moment isn't just about trading places with this one sinner. It's a physical act of the spiritual reality that all of us go free because of what Jesus has done. This story isn't isn't at all even about Barabbas. It's not. Barabbas represents you. He represents me. He represents all of humanity. The details probably look a little different in our life, but the concept is the same. And just like Jesus willingly took Barabbas' place, he takes our place too. This is what we celebrate today. This is the victory we have on Easter. Barabbas, he was a murderer. He was evil. He was drenched in sin. But guess what? We too are lost. We too are broken. We too are covered in sin and covered in our mistakes and tempted to turn away from God. But then Jesus steps in and says, take me. Take me. Remove the prison chains and let them go free. I will deal with their sin. I will feel the pain of their sin. I will die for their sin and raise back to life. That's how much I love So by the blood of Jesus and the triumph of his resurrection, we are free and we are healed and we are given new life. We are restored and we are found and we are rescued and we are saved, not because of our perfection, not because of our good deeds, not because of all the things that we do, but because of the blood of Jesus that was spilled for you and for me. most people this moment was confusing the story surely looked over Jesus was in the grave it was done but we know that the cross wasn't the end we're going to keep reading in Matthew 28 verse one early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. Friends, the story isn't over. The cross was not the end. Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He is alive. And today on Easter Sunday, we get to worship the risen Savior who trampled over death, who overthrew the grave, and who has complete victory over sin and who gives us new life through his resurrection. Our Savior is risen. And because of the resurrection, the story isn't over. The story wasn't over on Friday. There was so much more to come. And because it wasn't over at the cross, our story isn't over either. Our story isn't over because the cross wasn't the end. Hallelujah! Like Jesus is alive. He's still working. He's still moving. He's still speaking. He takes our brokenness and makes us whole. He takes our uncertainty and gives us assurance. He turns our fear to peace. He turns our grief to joy. He turns our mourning to dancing. He heals our wounds. He dries our tears. He looks at our sin and says, my child, there is so much more to life when you're following me instead. Because of the resurrection that we celebrate today, Coming to know Jesus is the starting line to an entire race that we get to run with him. And when our life comes to an end here on earth, we get to experience life with Jesus in heaven. Friends, our story isn't over. Not because anything we've done. Not because we're so great. But because Jesus took our place. What a promise we have. I want to give us a chance to respond to the word of God today. Here at Starting Line, um, we believe that it's important to apply things to our lives instead of just hearing something and then walking out the door and moving on with our day. So there are two things that we want you to, to process and think through today. The first is just an invitation to follow Jesus. If you're someone that has never made a decision to follow Jesus, but you want to, you have the chance to do that today. Maybe you're someone who's went to church kind of your whole life or you went to church when you were younger and you kind of walked away from it, but today you're like, I want to follow Jesus. I want to commit to him. Maybe you're someone who calls yourself a Christian just to associate with a religion, but Jesus is tugging on your heart to, to pursue a relationship with him to follow him. Maybe you've never seen that the gospel is all about responding to the love of Jesus. Maybe you've just never said yes to Jesus before, but you want to. If any of those things are you, we want to walk with you through that. There's a way that you can let us know um, how that, that you want to say yes to Jesus, and, and one of us will follow up with you about that. The second part to this response, just comes with this idea of our story isn't over because of the cross wasn't the end. When we know Jesus, we get to experience life to the fullest here on earth and in heaven one day. So we want you to process this statement. Before Jesus, blank. Now, blank. Before Jesus, I was this, but now I'm this. Before Jesus, I was broken, now I'm healed. Before Jesus, I was lonely, now I'm never forsaken. Whatever it is for you, what, what we want you to do is just reflect on this idea. What, what was it like before Jesus? What am I without Jesus? And then what am I with Jesus? What do I experience? As we finish our time together today, remember, the story isn't over because Jesus took our place. That's what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. We celebrate that today, but we also celebrate the fact that we can walk in that every single day of the year. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your victory. We thank you that because you live, we can face tomorrow. We can experience the trials of this life. We can walk with you. We thank you, Jesus, that we are healed, we are forgiven, we are free because of the sacrifice you paid and the victory you had over the grave. Allow us to walk in that resurrection story every day as we continue to lean on you and point other people towards you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Starting Line Church or to help support our ministry here, check us out at www.startingline.church.